Hello, Steve. How hey, you Nick. doing? Oh, how are you? <laughs> we're in a funny place. This is the weirdest place you've ever been. Oh, my God. So, we're in the... Um, Steve and I are in the, the BFI at the moment, in the foyer, by a bin, sitting on the floor behind a Christmas tree. It's clandestine podcasting, isn't it, Nick? Totally, because I couldn't find it. So, Steve and I have come to London because we've come to see a couple of our heroes, Adam and Joe, Yeah, well, some, some uh, inspiration for why we started our own podcast. I think I that's think. true, yeah. Do you I feel like we're coming home true. on some level? Yeah, I can't wait for the, um, for the show later. But um, it feels weird. I feel a little bit like I'm doing some very naughty things. Yeah, well, we're stealing power. We basically come, come to the <laughs> South Bank <laughs> and stolen some electricity. Sh- sharing our plug block are the Adam and Joe merch people. Yeah. They're just setting up their Adam and Joe t-shirts and other bits and pieces that I might have a little browse of later. Nick's, Nick's got a bit giddy with excitement. <laughs> He's all here. So, so yeah. Another podcast. Yeah, yeah. So um, I reckon we're going to get interrupted at any point. So if for any reason, listeners, we, you never hear of us again, this is where this will be the last <laughs> recording. It might well be. But it's great. I mean, I'm comfortable on the floor, Steve. I don't know about you. Very much so, Nick. Very much so. Okay. So, um, well, welcome to another podcast. And we're going to be talking about a great variety of interesting nuggets from the world of science today, aren't we, Steve? Indeed. Indeed. As always, Nick. As always. As always. So, um, I guess... Oh, my goodness. Who's that coming over here? Someone going to tell Who's us that? that? It's like... He's got... He's got something hanging from his belt. Looks a bit aggressive. Let's get out of here, Steve. Run, run, Let's get on with run, the podcast. Run. Let's go. Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Combustion. Why do we need Petri, Oscar, Bay. Isaac, Newton, Transplanting. Oh, so, Steve. I'm relaxing a little bit now. I, I reckon we're still going to get told off. Yeah, but I don't mind, actually. I'd be happy if we got told off. Maybe Adam and Joe might tell us off. We should, we should tweet Adam Buxton that we did this. We should take a picture right now and say we're podcasting live from Next to the event. merch people. Yeah, I'm going to do okay. it. I'm going to take a picture on my phone as we speak. Well, You're part of history now, listeners. <laughs> Steve's actually <laughs> holding his camera up. He's holding his camera up. You need to get the bin in, mate. <laughs> yeah, there you go. The bin's in. Great. Here we go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you'll enjoy... Well, you may enjoy looking at that. You probably won't, actually, because it's a boring picture of me and Steve sitting <laughs> on a f- random floor next to a bin. Oh, Steve, so um, what have you been up to, mate? Since I saw you last? Yeah. Two days ago. Two days ago. Yeah. Um, I've, been, uh, I've been doing interviews all day today. You've been doing what? Interviews. I've been interviewing people all day. Again? Yeah, graduate. You were doing inter- that like that two was weeks a, that ago? That was undergraduate interviews. This so who have you been interviewing this time? Um, it was all of the um, people that were applying to do a PhD in physical chemistry. Oh, right. Yeah. So Maybe I shouldn't really talk about this on the podcast. I Maybe that's pretty unprofessional. Steve. I'm quite an unprofessional person sometimes. <laughs> well, you I learned talk. everything from you. I you used to be such a good good boy. <laughs> you can talk. Very professional. And then you just came along and just... And I, just th- I think, Steve, the podcast was your idea, if I remember correctly. <laughs> we were in a pub in Waterloo somewhere. Not yeah. far from where we're sitting at the moment. It's true. In the foyer of the BFI. Yeah. And six uh, months later, here we are, sat <laughs> by a bin. <laughs> Who would have thought we would have ascended to such greatness in such a short period of time? It's amazing. Yeah. (laughs) All right, so should we get on with some science? Nick, I've got something for you. What you got for me, Steve? Hit me. Hit me with your not with, with no not with the rhythm stick. Oh, just hit me metaphorically. Metaphor with a metaphorical rhythm stick. I don't want any of your stick touching me. Um, so, you know, um, so I've had a few new people start in my lab. We've had uh, a few project students start. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was chatting to one of them. 
And do, was, you, do you tie them to the bench and whip them when they don't? I don't do really see them actually. Generally, my students and postdocs look after. Oh, you so delegate. I just come in and yeah. You're like the sort of plantation owner. Exactly. Standing there with my white linen suit. In in your in your <laughs> mansion. Supping brandy. <laughs> And well, clicking they, my fingers when so they're bent over, getting whipped in a in a field. <laughs> yeah, I think that's people's. That's if we could ask, we could interview someone from my lab, see if they see if It'd be they nice agree. Nice to see whether they fulfil that. Yeah. Um, um, but I was talking about. It made me remember when I did my project when I was an undergrad. Right? Oh, did you do one? I did one over you the know summer. What? I didn't even do one. I did the first. My first time I'd ever worked in a lab. I got like a, a scholarship to to work in the lab over the summer for like uh, fifteen weeks or something. Congratulations. Thanks. It, are you still basking in the warm glow from receiving that scholarship? Pretty much. Do you still pop it on your CV? It's still on there. Yeah. <laughs> Awards. Um, but what I did is I was, it was in a synthetic lab. You quite like this, right? Synthetic so, lab? Yeah. So in, in, in well, it wasn't a natural lab in like a well, kind of that means you wooded make, glade. That, synthetic chemists make stuff, right? And I don't make stuff anymore. I do a little bit, but not really. Um, and I was making these inorganic uh, compounds. Inorganic. Uh, inorganic so chemistry. That's inorganic stuff is stuff that doesn't contain carbon. Is that correct? Uh, that's 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 one definition. In, although inevitably, inorganic chemistry normally contains carbon. What it really means is metals. So you have a metal centre, okay. uh, and then you have like various ligands that coordinate around it. Are they heavy metals? They can be. I love heavy metals. I know you love heavy metals. <laughs> Does Rush count as heavy metal? No, no definitely not. Metal. They're progressive they, they rock or hard rock? Hard rock. Yeah, I would say they're hard rock. They're hard rock with progressive. Right. Never well, if anyone's not listened to the science show before, Nick is a is, is a huge Rush fan. So we always yeah. like to bring it into the podcast <laughs> as much as we can. No, anyway, Black back Sat to my story. Okay, Stop talking okay. about you. Can we not talk about heavy metal? <laughs> <laughs> I prefer. No, no, I'm joking. Carol. Okay. So I was, I, was build, I was making these compounds. And anyway, um, during that summer, they were moving labs. So inorganic chemistry labs, so I don't know, they have these big uh, glove boxes. So if anyone's seen like the Simpsons at the beginning where Homer's like putting one bit of like radioactive material into another, all of inorganic chemistry is generally done in, in a big box that looks oh, like that. Oh, you mean like, so you've got a, a like a, a cabinet and you it's stick big, your hands in massive leather gloves. It's a big cabinet with these big, these big gloves that dangle things. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah you so call that a glove box? Yeah, you call that a glove that's box. That's what I've got in my car. That is, to the that's a very different kind of glove box, yeah. Oh, they need to call it a different name so I don't get confused. I just have suddenly imagined a lab <laughs> with these sort of clip-down boxes stowed away somewhere. Yeah, no, it wasn't like that at all. all. Right, so it's okay. more like, so you've got this kind of big, big, like, box, about the size of kind of... Um, uh, a big cupboard, like, like a big a cupboard. wardrobe Yeah, or bigger than that, about the size of a wardrobe. And, and it's got an airlock on the side, right? Yeah, so you yeah. put stuff in. The idea is, is that because you're working with compounds that uh, degrade in air, you yeah. have to work uh, in a nitrogen or an, or an argon atmosphere. So the whole thing is filled up with nitrogen, so no oxygen can get in. They can't degrade your compounds, and you can do interesting chemistry. must be hard to move those things. They're pretty heavy, yeah. You don't move them. In fact, once you've moved them, they can't stay airtight. But you just said that you were moving. So the lab was moving. And they left them there, well, just like sort of isolated in space. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, but they, so anyway, they were moving all the stuff and they started clearing out all the cupboards. Right. right? And these are cupboards in uh, a lab that hasn't been like re re renovated in probably about 40 years. Right. So we're kind of going through the back of these cupboards and we're finding all of these old air sensitive compounds, right? They're all like locked up in uh, these cupboards in these things called schlenk lines which are like it's basically like a big glass jar that's airtight but all that's of like the one that you recounted how you dropped one that's at some point. well that's a um that's a desiccator okay, this, this but is not much too more this is more airtight they're much but not smaller too dissimilar yeah these are about the size of a mug oh right okay right. okay and so okay. what you do is when you make your air sensitive compound when you want to move it from one thing to another to do chemistry on it you uh you put it in this schlenk which is like this big mug which yeah. is airtight 
Anyway, so he pulled these out, but all of the um, equip, all of the labels that come off these things, and these are old, these are 10, 20 years old, right? And, they, and, and previously at Sussex, where I did my undergraduate, they, they did a lot in these air-sensitive compounds. Some of them explode, some of them catch fire, nearly always. Well, I remember, fire. I mean, famous one is sodium, isn't it? Because you keep it under oil. Because sodium, exactly. if you expose it to air, it suddenly oxidizes. But these burns. literally, if you get a little bit on a, on a these tissue are much paper... Well, these are sodium to the power of 10. Yeah, exactly. Okay. But, but we, some of them were, some of them weren't, and they had right. to dispose of them, right? So do you know... So we had... Did I, you have I, a big fireworks party? I, I will. There's a there's a very <laughs> learned professor who's very well respected in the inorganic community. Name? I'm not going to say. <laughs> anyway, he's 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 great, by the way. Uh, but he was like, "Let me show you how you dispose of these compounds safely, Steve." Right. right. So did you know what he did? He wanged it in the river. No, put it in the car park and shot it with an air rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on a minute. Yeah. So. The, it was in a jar, protected so, from the atmosphere. A glass jar, so he stands from the well back, gets a gun, shoots it. Yeah, and so well, some, happens, well, some of them just like fizzled. Some of them, nothing happened. Some of them just like blew up in a big. Just, like a there big wasn't that much material in them, I should say. So but yeah, they they like literally caught on fire. That's so cool, man. Yeah, because he actually, and then we kind of had a conversation about it, saying actually, when you don't know what it is, generally there's not a lot of material. So yeah. you're not like oxidizing, you know, it's like it huge must be la- Is it not labeled? Well, it had a label, but these are like 20, 30, 40 oh, years old. That's not very good labeling, Steve. It's not good labeling, oh, but you'd have to blame people in the 70s. You Probably can't best that you destroy that evidence. <laughs> I think you did the right thing. Can we yeah. do that? Can, uh, can we shoot stuff with like, we could put an air rifle on a grant, that means. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm serious. Could we, could we, could yeah. we get some? And like film it and put it on YouTube. Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, like we can put, do that, for the, and then we can make all the, the AdSense revenue. I've got a friend who's we got like an air in. gun that looks like a real gun. Yeah, we should it's do so it. So cool. The science sent shared explosions. Blow it up. It's a very famous Sherlock Holmes novel. Right. No, that's not true. It sounds like it's a famous Herbert. It's actually about um, a famous scandal in science. Yeah. Ended up with someone shooting themselves in the head. Wow. That's a good ending. Yeah. It's a good closer. Basically what... Like Reservoir Dogs. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But it's the controversy rumbles on to the day this book was written, which admittedly was 40 years ago. (laughs) All right, so tell me but about it. What is it? Who, who wrote it? What's it about? Well, it doesn't matter so much who wrote the book. It's more about the story and what happened. The guy called Arthur Kerstler wrote the book. He's an interesting guy in his own right. I'll right. T- tell you what. Uh, remind me at the end about, about him. So Paul Cameron, he was working on these, these toads. So there's a big battle between people who were in the camp of Lamarck. Right. Lamarckian evolution. So I, I think like, Lamarckian evolution is the idea that if you, uh, like, it's kind of being picked up again with the idea of epigenetics, but the idea being that if you exercise a muscle, your muscles get bigger and then you can pass on that uh, as its genetic information. The, the reason a, a giraffe evolved to get, uh, to have a longer neck was not, didn't happen through the genetic manipulation, uh, generational, it's actually affected during your lifespan. Is that right? That sort of thing, although you, you, they weren't even inferring genetics back then, it was more a case that, yeah, 
the work that you did in your life it has philosophical thing impacts on like humans and, sh- and stuff as well right because like the more work if you if you better yourself in your life yeah it would be more satisfactory to know that by bettering yourself you would pass some of those characteristics on to your to children your, to your children okay and that was kind of what people essentially so thought. like for instance a love of rush <laughs> like <laughs> you can so, you no, could pass on <laughs> so there we go we've disproved like, Lamarckian well, evolution likes, well, my dad likes Bob Dylan I quite like Bob Dylan I just bought some tickets to see Bob Did Dylan you? with my dad yeah, yeah that's cool. playing in Cardiff next year um, but anyway um, so that was a kind of attractive idea from biology right. and until Charles Darwin came along really that was and, trying and to drop the mic yeah until Darwin came along and he had the idea of natural selection which is the idea that it's basically through a process of elimination that traits are preserved. Yeah. So you don't like better yourself and pass it on. It's just that the things that, that are better at existing have more chance of passing on whatever it is that they've got. So this dude, Paul Camera, came along and he spent a long time, years, breeding amphibians, right? Salamanders mm. and toads. And he was essentially trying to breed them through some generations and show that you could that characters could be so acquired. What, what kind so of like, characteristics? So this is one um, with the salamanders. What he did was he there were two types of salamanders: one that live up in the hills and one that live down in the valleys. Right. The one that live down in the valleys lay their eggs in water. Right. And have lots of young. And the ones up on the hills have like they don't lay their eggs in water and they have only two young. Right. So he swapped them. Right. In the lab. So he just he just wanged the the, the dry the, the one in the hills in the water. Exactly. So he swapped them around and basically what he found out was. The one that was down, that was from the water, would start to have an offspring like the one from the land. And then right. that would persist through the generation. So you could see that it would be coming acquired. And the idea was that it was through the environment. People were sceptical. Right. People were sceptical. All right. But no one did anything because it takes a long time to. So we should say, like, so that's people still do those kind of studies today, right? So people study, they study frog eggs or, or zebrafish or drosophila flies, you know, like... Uh, like there's, there's still kind of people that breed these things to, I mean, for different reasons, but it's quite interesting that we were kind of doing this even even this time ago. Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And I, I, th- those experiments, I don't actually know whether anyone's tried to repeat them mm. that you did with the salamander. All right. Maybe they have. It's cool. You know, we can have a fact check. Did he go? And, did he go to salamander collecting? He did, and frog collecting. Oh, that's but awesome. usually, so he went out with a big net and a big hat. I don't know what he did, but he was a. He originally he, Paul Camera. He was originally a, a music student, and then he turned. He was really into reptiles and amphibians. He had right. his own viviparium and shit like that. So he, he loved that stuff. So he loved going out and doing it. So he was a proper biologist. Loved collecting things. Anyway, salamanders published that stuff. People in. Other people, neo-Darwinists, were thinking, this is, what in earth, this doesn't fit with our ideas, this must be balls. <laughs> right? Anyway, camera so was... So which side is the establishment on? Like, what's the Royal Society? I, by this stage, the establishment was firmly on the neo-Darwinists. Right, okay. So the other people... So the hanger honorers. Yeah, the, I mean, there's a caveat to that as well. Right. But anyway, okay. basically... Then he did these experiments with a toad. These toads, when they mate, there's, again, there's two different types. There's a light, one that's in the water and one that's on land. Yeah. And the one that's in water starts to develop, during the mating season, develops these rough patches on its hands so that it can hold on to the woman better so she doesn't yeah. get away when they mate. Yeah. I could do with some of those. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, but basically what he did was he took those to land and they would have they would evolve they would lose the ones that come, came from land would start yeah. to form them and vice versa 
people were very sceptical. Chap in London, William Bates. So wait, this is arguing for Lamarckian evolution. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, he so, was so, proving. So he's like, like, like he's doing experiments and showing. He, over. He's telling us that episode *The Phantom Menace* is better than uh, mm. than than *Empire*. Imagine. Exactly. But that's, that's the, the kind of level so, of... So William Bateson in London hears right. this and he's like, Oh my God, how could anyone say that the Attack of the Clones is better than the Empire Strikes Back? You're mental. Right. So he comes in and he says, can I, have one, can I have one of your frogs, please? Yeah. So he gets one of his frogs. Okay. Basically, he's getting slated in the academic press, right. usually unfairly, because pe- to do those experiments, you've got to spend 10 years of your life, right? Yeah. If you want to commit, <laughs> you want to commit scientific fraud. fraud. Make sure the experiments are <laughs> fucking difficult. <laughs> this guy doesn't sound like very smart. Make sure to they me. take ten years. But yeah. that, that was kind of one of the arguments for like, you know, he's doing this ten years. It's clearly not true. Yeah. Anyway, a long series of events happened. This is going on for a long time. Controversy. Eventually, one of these frogs gets examined later on at so a later date. He like robs a frog. The frog is somehow transported to right. another guy. Um, I forget his name now. One of the guys who was in the camp. The guy that was clearly the Jedi is better than... Yeah, and he looks at the frog and he sees these, they're called nuptial pads, euphemistically. These are pads that the the male uses to hang on to effectively rape the female. Right. He looks at them under the microscope, has a good look, injects some India ink, so like a common dye, into another part of a frog, finds that they're exactly the same. Someone had deliberately been manipulating the frogs to make it appear that they were developing these darkly Wait, hang on a minute, hang rough on a minute. pads. So it was fraud, Steve, so of the worst kind. But where did... So what, he, was cut, he was sticking the pads onto the... It, some, on, some, onto well, the it still remains contentious to this day, but the idea, he was, the idea is someone in his lab was doctoring the frogs to make it appear as if they were getting acquired characteristics. Anyway, right. the guy that examined them published it in Nature. Right. Came out. Good journal. Heard of that Basically one. said, someone, this is scientific fraud. Oh, he, pu- he published the, the, the fact that he'd, that he'd let the cat out of the bag. The guy who studied the frogs yeah. and found these things put the, put the word out, published it in Nature. Basically, Paul Camera gets this news, published in Nature, goes out up in the hills of Vienna, blows his brains out with the Wait, gun. wait, wait. So, so the guy that, that, that's the proponent of, the, of, of Lamarckian evolution finds that in his own lab someone's been... No, he doesn't find it. These frogs are independently examined by someone else. Ah, okay. And that's so, so he's been sprung. Right, okay. He's so it's been him, so it was him. Yeah, so he gets his, his brains blown out. Because he shoots himself in the head. Wow, that's because really of sad. scientific fraud. It's a really sad well, like story. Someone, there was uh, was someone with a, there was a stem cell uh, in, uh, incident a few uh, last year, right? There, there was a um, there was a very famous paper that was retracted in Science about how to reprogram stem cells. Yeah, and called stem cell controversy. Yeah, basically, yeah. and someone killed themselves on that, isn't it? We could talk about it another time. I mean, yeah, we could it's have kind l- of interesting. I thought it's just like how we've spoken about it before. How close, like how serious some some people take their work, right? And this is why they get. It, people really see it as more than a job. It's a real kind of calling. And like, if you if you if you did get busted, yeah, you know, you'll be so. Well, the dude. I mean, it's the same thing. It happened with the stap cell controversy. Yeah, we we'll talk about it in more detail another time. But basically, someone fraudulently did some stuff on the stem cells. One of the co-authors uh, yeah. in Japan hung himself in his lab. Yeah, and this was only three or four years ago. Yeah. So the, there's a lot people don't. I mean. You could argue that scientists are a bit stupid taking it that seriously. Yeah. Effectively, something that's maybe is slightly inconsequential. Do you think anyone's kill ever killed themselves over over Star Wars, though? Probably. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. So lots it's, of it's passion, I suppose. Is I what almost killed for. myself when I saw the Phantom Menace. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh, hello everybody. So Steve's with me in physical form, but not in spirit at the moment. He's trying to tweet I'm Adam here, Buxton. Nick. I just tweeted Adam <laughs> Buxton. Oh, are you hoping he'll answer back? Oh, I hope he replies. So we're, we're still sat on the floor on the uh, uh, podcasting by bin. Yeah. Someone's, so someone's just put something in the bin right by Nick's my, head. My, they've done it several times since I've sat here. I'm surprised right. they didn't mistake me for the bin, to be honest. Yeah, so, um, well, the floor is hard. Uh, my hemorrhoids are playing up. Do you have hemorrhoids, Steve? No. I've had them for a while. I don't want to know this. They've got better recently. You've just got to change your diet. You had a gout as well, haven't you? I had gout, yeah. That was my first gout attack. Was in um, about 2008, I think. Right. Had some gouty attack. <laughs> Nick's Victorian ailments. <laughs> Do you know what gout is, Steve? It's u- u- uric acid crystallising out yeah. of your blood. Is that that's right? absolutely right. So urea, your body gets rid of its nitrogenous waste. So that's amino acids which it's metabolised, chomped up. You need to get rid of the nitrogen, Steve. Right. All animals do. Um, mammals package it up in a compound called urea, yeah. which is water-soluble, and that forms most of your urine, which isn't water itself. That was one of the first synthetic organic compounds ever made. It was. I know I, yeah. I know that, and I've shown it in my lecture. I forget the, right. the two chaps he, he said did I, it. So there's some quote about I have... Uh, created nature or something. It was the first time anyone had ever made something that was indistinguishable. I've got a slide on that in one of my lectures, one of my lectures, but I can't remember what the names of the guys were. But yeah, you're, you're right. But anyway, another classic from the <laughs> science shed. Everyone. <laughs> Some guy said something about something <laughs> that we can't remember. But anyway, um, so mammals get rid of it in a soluble form. Birds don't wee. Did you know that? Birds don't wee. So they how don't do birds get rid of nitrogen? So you know when you see a bird crap. Yeah, it's quite wet. You've got a black bit and a white bit. Yeah. Do you know what the black bit is? No way. I That's never shit. knew that. Do you know what the white bit is? Urea. Uric acid. Because right. they can't, so birds can't is that make... Is paint gets, like, if, if a bird... Yeah, uh, it's acidic. Like, yeah, like So birds car. can't make soluble um, urea, and they make uric acid, which is insoluble, Yeah. So and they excrete it, yeah, and they're cloacal Which is why it's cloudy, presumably. Exactly. So the, the fact that it's insoluble um, is a problem if you have a lot of it. So certain foods have a high concentration of purines in them. Right. Things like, the, you know, your gentleman of the 16th century might consume a lot of, like yeah. pheasants, game, and red wine, things like that. And like a foie gras, all the kind of Yeah, you've got to be careful because some things you think contain a lot of it actually don't. Uh, actually, okay. blackberries are stuffed full of purines. Really bad for gout. Can't eat blackberries. Blackberries? Blackberries, yeah. That's so weird. Really bad for you. But anyway, so the uric, so if you eat a lot of them, you can't you can't process it, and uh, I don't, uh, I can't remember the exact mechanism, but it ends up with you getting a high concentration of uric acid in your blood, right? And then it will crystallise because it's insoluble, and often it will crystallise all over the place, but it will cause problems when it's near your joints because it forms crystals when you move your your joints. It hurts. You get friction. It's really really painful. In yeah. fact incredibly painful it and the first in your joint, big toe right the first joint that gets affected is the knuckle of your big toe yeah so one day in 2008 so that, that, I got that, up that on a Monday it. morning to go to work at Imperial right. College and it, would, it was the Six Nations was on right and I had quite a lot of Guinness the day before right is that what you're blaming few pints of Guinness. I was all right. I was, you know, I was or a few pints of blackberries, maybe. Yeah, maybe that was. Maybe it was all the Ribena <laughs> that I'd had. <laughs> 
But anyway, Black so current, but I, what I got to, I thought, oh, my toe hurts as I was walking to the tube. Yeah. I got on the tube, and as I got off the tube at the other end, I tried to walk. I could barely walk. I was real angry. I was walking on my heel, and I thought, I must have broken my toe right. in a drunken stupor, even right. though I wasn't drunk enough to be in a stupor. Maybe I kicked something I just didn't know and didn't right. notice. Someone stamped on your toe or something. So uh, when I got to the office, I was in so much pain. So it's only about from South Kensington to Imperial College. It's like five-minute walk. By the time I got to my office, I had to lie on the floor. The pain was so bad, I felt nauseous. I felt I was going to pass out. I was lying on the floor. Yeah. You know, head between the legs job. I don't. I, like, I haven't seen you in pain before, Nick. But I bet you're not. You bet you make a bit of a meal of it, don't you? Do you really like? Yeah, definitely. Like, you yeah, just like yeah. you want people to feel oh sorry for yourself. Oh my god! You I, definitely don't suffer quietly. The slightest <laughs> pain, I'm. You know what? Scream. <laughs> I'm. De- everyone's going to know that Absolutely. I'm in pain. But anyway, so yeah, I had. Basically, it was hurting a lot. I thought I'd broken my toe, so I asked my dad, who's a, He's a GP, a, right? A GP, a retired family. Doctor. Did he know straight away? He just laughed at me and said, you I thought I broke my toe. I said, should I go and get an x-ray? And he just went, oh, <laughs> have you ever had gout? Right. That's what it was. Has your dad, ha- does your dad have gout? I don't think genetic? so, but my granddad had it. It is genetic. Right. I don't think my dad's had it. But my granddad certainly had gout. And ever since then, have you laid off the blackberries? I'm a little bit more careful with what I eat. I, I think dehydration is something. Right, well, that makes w- sense. Be careful about getting dehydrated. So, I mean, that's another, that's the, the two ways I to crystallise something, right? You either evaporate the solvent. Or you, or you increase its insolubility. Spoken like a true chemist. Yeah. Well done. So yeah, I did. Um, I, I've had one attack since. Right. And ne- not so. I'm going to be careful. I've been. I tell you what. I've been right off those blackberries. The Guinness still hitting it hard. Blackberries. A lesson. List. Life lessons in the science <laughs> shed, everyone. Life lessons. Nick. So you know we talked about my paper that got published the other day, and I tried I, when I drilled a hole in a paint can. You keep banging on about that they paper. They didn't take it. They didn't they take didn't the paint the, can. They didn't want the paint can picture. You know what? I, I even though I want to try and knock you down every opportunity I get, yeah. Steve. Thanks, Nick. That was a bloody good idea and thanks. a bloody good picture. Well, thanks. Nature but Communications. Yeah, what are you doing? Get your act together. I want to see the picture that did get on the cover. Yeah, me too. Have um, you got it? I've, I haven't actually checked because I was so angry about it. Um, <laughs> You're so angry. You haven't even looked at what was actually on the cover. <laughs> yeah, but what's interesting, so when it's we did... It's not like it's a proper magazine anyway. There's no cover. That's true. Do they, do they, is it like so an the, the online other, thing? Yeah, I don't, I mean, don't, I don't know. Um, so, uh, so, so as part of that, the, the university wrote a press release of the paper, right? Yeah, yeah. And... <laughs> It's quite so interesting. I've seen it, but yeah. I only briefly cast my eyes over it. Oh my god! Tell me about. <laughs> so this is what happened. Let, let me explain to you. This is what happens. I don't, you've, 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 you've had a bit of pre- media I'll coverage. I'll tell you about one of. Yeah. Well, we had. So not. So we did have media coverage for paper published recently, but there was one a while ago right. that got so garbled. It was amazing. You. So. So anyway, um, so what happens is the university press office rings me up and says, uh, we can see that you've published a paper, we'd like to do a press release on it. Didn't so you like, write a little press release? No, so some I spoke people to, do. I, I, spoke to I write my own so I can keep it. Right, you can keep control because you're yeah, a massive so I power write, I write freak. my own press release. So anyway, I spoke to this person for about half an hour and they wrote a press release, which uh, a lady called Sarah, she's lovely, and did a really good job. Uh, it was a little bit too... So this is what happens with you know journalists, is they hype everything, don't they? They you've go, they go crazy. It, you've got to get people's attention. Exactly. But what I did is I, I tweaked it, and I understand that, obviously, if you dumb it down to exactly the level that it sh- should be absolutely scientifically accurate, so it's basically of, the paper. You right? turn, do you kind of trump 
photos. So I, exactly. So I had to sex it up a bit. So, so anyway, I, I edited the press release and I said, okay, fair enough. Um, so it was correct uh, yeah. and, still, and still scientifically accurate and then sent it back. And anyway, it goes out on this kind of press embargo where like various different media sources get, get access to it. You can't release it until it's actually come out in the public. Yeah, exactly. So anyway, that happened. And um, like it got picked up by a few. So the Daily Express published it. Um, <laughs> Daily a Express is a, it's a very cerebral paper <laughs> read by the thinking person. Fuck isn't you. It? <laughs> anyway, yeah. Um, I hope that we don't have any Express I lo- reading I listeners. Looked at, I looked at it. Maybe I tweeted the Express as soon as it came out. Um, but um, it's, it basically said that I'd solved Alzheimer's disease and that I'd created a new uh, MRI, which neither of which these things are true. <laughs> so, like, uh, can I just say what my idea of what you've done is? Right. So Steve's got some microscope, which is massive, and he's looked at tiny little molecules and basically done a few experiments to see how they stick together in a dish, in, like, a really kind of, in a plate, totally divorced from a human being. It's chemistry, yeah. Well, it's, um, we're looking at protein. So I'm trying to, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to dehype yeah. you now. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. So you just pissed it's, around. It's, and a I will never want my head to get my head too, too high together. in the clouds when I've got friends like you, Nick. <laughs> yeah, but you're right. You're right. We we, 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 we measured we measured a fundamental physical property on a single protein aggregate, which 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 is interesting. But that's not what I said we did. So when are you going to get that microscope on my brain then, so that we can test whether I'm developing out? That's what they said I did. When are you going to get it they on my brain? They said I like so everyone's going to get this scan now. Massive breakthrough. I think it, what was it called? New scan for Alzheimer's yeah. or something? It's completely wrong. <laughs> completely wrong. <laughs> so you should send a letter to, if you feel strongly about it. Send a letter to the newspaper. Maybe I will. Yeah. Maybe I will. I, I, I did tweet them as soon as it came out, saying I'm happy to correct this. This is incorrect. Yeah. They just ignore me. Well, you know, they've got bigger fish to fry than well, some boring, maybe. beardy scientists from Cambridge, don't they? Oh Thanks, my god! Nick. It sounds a little bit from so this. We didn't get that. I saw your the article yeah. in the Express. It was massive. We had a tiny, you know, those little news in brief. All oh, right, the things. things are like one sentence long. So we published a paper, right? Again, totally, sort of esoteric. Yeah, paper. I'm not saying that you're. You were proud of it, but yeah, it was a good paper. It was in a good journal. It was in yeah. Nature Materials, and basically. We'd, we'd compared by measuring how hard or soft they were the, the kind of bone that's made by different types of stem cells right. so you grow them in a dish they, they form this mineral stuff and then you, you can prod it to find out how hard it is or use a laser to find out what chemicals are in it so yeah. we compared them that way and some of the cells we'd happen to get from mouse calvarius so that's the skull of a, a, a calvarius. Okay. alright so, what did they lead the headline with? Um, brain cancer caused by coffee. <laughs> Mouse skulls, key to car accident victim, <laughs> or something like that. So, th- right. they'd taken the mouse skulls as being the central part, Which is and they thought the mouse bit. skulls, we were using the mouse skulls to fix broken legs. Well, let's talk about it. Let's, let's give the, the journalist credit or credit to you. They've got to try and make a story that they think people will be interested in. I think, as scientists, you've got to remember that that's they're just trying to shift units yeah or get clicks just think about clickbait clickbait everything's clickbait these days i can't look at the bottom of a newspaper article without finding out what's going to happen next to the rather lovely attractive nick Nick took a a a cell from the brain of a mouse you won't (laughs) guess what happened next We're in the science shed. We're in the 
Come on, Steve. Bunsen. Burner. Dolly. Machine. Internal. Combustion. Why do we need? Patrick. Oscar. Brain. Isaac. Newton. Transplanting. Are we at the end of another one? We're at the end of another one, but our first one on location. First one at the bit. Well, first one on location. Oh, with other people. Yeah, in the background. So, yeah. do you reckon people have been annoyed with all yeah, of the I'm voices? Yeah, I'm sorry. I would like to apologise if it's really annoying. There's lots us. of noise, like ding dongs. So I don't know whether. Yeah, well, it's probably not the. Well, they don't really expect Radio Four, do they? Yeah, no. But, but I mean, it's kind of faithful to the Adam and Joe kind of thing because indeed. a lot of their podcasts they did at locations like. A, a leisure centre. Right. So it's fitting. So out, as we're at Adam and Joe uh, in the South Bank, um, we yeah. podcast from a foyer, buy a bin, uh, next to a Christmas tree. Exactly. Everything's here. All the ingredients are here. And right. look, right on cue, <laughs> it's another airport announcement. We've actually, we've actually just, this has all been done in post. <laughs> you know what we should do, Steve? What? We're coming to the end of the podcast. People yeah. should look on Twitter to see the various things that we've posted. And also to ask us anything, questions, find out what Absolutely. we've been doing. Absolutely. Please so if they do tweet us. Yeah, so I'm at Steve the Chemist on Twitter. And I'm at the Evans Lab. So, yeah, please get in contact if you like the Science Shed or if you want us to talk about anything specifically um, and tell us what you like and you don't like. Yeah, we'd love it if you did that. But, Steve, I think we're going to have to go now because they'll be starting soon and we want to get in. Yeah, can we get a beer? We should get a beer, Let's yeah. get a beer. All right. All right. Okay, See you guys. Bye. Bye.